bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A A S. This shit is trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics like we're talking about reality TV. Our live show in Atlanta is fucking Saturday. Yeah. I am like a walking Xanax riddled <laughs> nightmare. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I keep on thinking like, that I hope our flight gets canceled, like in the whole, like all of the snaggles of like all the Like a COVID fli- cancellation. Well, you know how all the flights are getting canceled everywhere? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we fly in on Thursday, so that wouldn't even <laughs> matter. Yeah. We could literally probably fly in like, with a go. oh, you know what? We moved your flight to Friday at midnight and we still could make the <laughs> stupid fucking show on Saturday at three. We would. We would make our show, our live show in Atlanta, Saturday at 3 p.m. at the Red Light Cafe with special guest Dr. Jackie from Married to Medicine. And, of course, Abby Cadabra, who will be performing Sweet Transvestite. I mean... And Ken Hood yeah, is doing... Yeah, gay guys and their feelings. Yeah, and Ken Hood, longtime Married to Medicine fan. We should have known because Ken Hood is an encyclopedia mm. of reality TV mm-hmm. and he's super supportive of Bravo. He is doing a gay guys and their feelings, so he's... And it's he's an Atlanta staple. Yep. It couldn't be more perfect that it's Ken Hood and Dr. Jackie. Landon. Landon is singing the opening. We haven't heard from Landon. And if that bitch tries to ghost. <laughs> oh, God. You know, I'm going to be the one who ghosts. Yeah, no, you won't. Show, you won't. Show I'm going to text Landon to well, go. Bitch, go sit in there and interview Dr. Jackie. <laughs> I'll be somewhere on the streets of Atlanta. Like very excited to meet Dr. Jackie and talk about all the women's issues. Yeah, we're going to talk all about, like, the women's stuff, you know? I mean, that's what Jackie mm-hmm. likes talking about. Well, that's her forte. It's her specialty. She's a doctor. She likes talking about clitorises, mm-hmm. being, like, the boats from Jesus and stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. Or the boats of uh, something about a boat. The clitoris. Man in the, the boat. Oh, the man in the boat. It's funny it's the man in the boat. <laughs> it is funny. You know what I mean? Why isn't a man in a boat? Yeah, why isn't it a woman in the boat? I don't know. You think it would be the woman in the boat. It's not really a man. I mean, I don't know. Vaginal openings. Yeah, she loves talking about uh, pleasure. Uteruses. So cervical you, cords. You love talking about all that stuff, or just being inside of it with your face, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> so I asked her if she'd give me a live pap smear, and she said she would. So yeah, if, she's happy to do it. If anything, I'm gonna ask her to give me a breast. I exam. asked her <laughs> if I could give you a live pap smear. Yeah. <laughs> I, maybe you'll give me a live breast exam, Mama. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, how who doesn't want to go to this show? What an amazing show. How about Jackie trains you how to give a breast exam? Because you know what? I have okay. not. And I do want to say, and this has been kind of bugging me. And you know what it is? I'm going to tell Dr. Jackie this, actually, my mouth. This is the first time you're hearing this. Okay. Dr. Jackie 
from Married to Medicine, she's a two-time breast cancer survivor. Yeah. It's harrowing to go through and scary. Mm -hmm. And it's been making me feel bad that I don't do breast exams and I hate them. And the last time I had one, we talked about Dancing with the Stars. And I'm not talking about this season, which I would let someone give me an anal exam to talk about Dancing (laughs) with the Stars this season. No, it was a hundred seasons ago. And like probably the one Rob Kardashian was on and someone's Mm. pushing on my nip being like, so are you watching Dancing with the Stars? I'm like, fuck off. But I haven't been doing them. Mm. And I, I'm not old enough to start doing like regular, like mammograms or whatever. Mm -hmm. But with that said, in my mind, my plan is to not do them anyway. I'm literally like this. I'm not doing them. I know. I don't do them either. Like I just and I like, should because I have. I, I feel know. like I thought I've, I've heard there's an alternative where it's like mm, you don't really need them and they smush your tit down. It might be even bad I for f- you. Yeah, I feel like the doctors have finally said that you don't need to do mammograms. I thought so too, but Doctor Jackie doesn't say that. Well, she doesn't say mammograms, but we don't. What we should yes, be doing she is does. she does. Oh, I thought we needed to at least do the pressing, which I also yeah. don't do. Well, yeah. So that's why I thought I could say, Doctor Jackie, Kaiser has a new commercial out that said someone came in for COVID. It's like a commercial for Kaiser Permanente, which is like a Southern California racket hospital where uh-huh. I, you know, used to go when I was a child. Uh-huh. And they're like, we had someone come in for COVID. And then they said, um, you know, Melissa, have you been doing your breast exams? Uh, no. And then they did one and they caught the cancer so early. Kaiser, oh. we're here for your COVID oncology or whatever the fuck. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm not doing any breast exams. And so maybe I could, I do want to tell Dr. Jackie that I feel guilty about not doing that. I want to find out how she found out. Was it from her own finding her own lump? And then maybe I'll say, will you teach Julie how to do a breast exam on me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're definitely making the show. So that's great. So there's no canceling the show. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You can show us on me over the shirt. How? Yeah, how do you like press and do all the things? I know I should do it too. I have huge fucking boobs. I, I always think to myself, I should touch. Um, what if my, my half my boob is just lump? I never touch my boobs. I'll, I don't either. I'll gross out. I don't like, touch them can either. Can you imagine people who like masturbate and like tweak their own nips? No. It's so. No, with all due. Anything you do is this. I am not masturbation nip shaming you. I'm no. just saying. For me. No, it's not like the porns. Okay, (laughs) it's just not like the porns. No, I'm like, yeah, no, I can't. um, If I could just remove my entire body, I would. Like someone's just in there and, you know, they always find it in their armpit. Now, I feel like I could probably do my armpit. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. But the second she presses the nip, I want to punch. I know. Don't press straight down. Anyway, we're going to ask Dr. Jackie. I'm going to tell her my feelings and she's going to say. And all, every gay guy who's bought tickets this moment is like this. Uh, I'm not. I'm canceling my ticket. I want a refund. The show is sat this Saturday. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to come to this. I knew it was going to come to this. But it's like we're all to the point where, and many of you and those of you who are doing it, you're annoying. <laughs> my friend Jessica, bitch, is like, you know, skipping the fucking light fantastic. Or what is it, Mau Mau? Tripping the light fantastic. It's romancing the light fantastic. You know, like your brother. Right. Romance the light. Yeah. Well, he crossed the Rubicon after he romanced the light fantastic. So Mm -hmm. Jessica, she's out there. Bitch is doing it. She's hosting things. She has been. The rest of us are like paranoid freaks looking through the blinds, scared (laughs) to leave the home. Mm -hmm. And 
at a certain point, you got to really rip the surgical band-aid, the surgical tape <laughs> yeah. off of a very hairy area and yeah. just mm -hmm. go, fuck it, man. I'm going to be seen. I'm going to see. It's going to happen. Yeah. We must go back out into the world with present day post-COVID Luke. And it's scary. <sighs> yeah, it's scary. It really is. And we're here finally, and it's like, it's going to happen. We're trying to say, whatever state you're in, it's scary. It's horrible. <laughs> just come out. Mm -hmm. You know what? If you want, wear your mask the whole time just to pretend you're all into COVID, but really you just want to wear a whole face mask. Yeah. There's that option for you. I know. And like my therapist always keeps telling me too, like you have to get out. And I'm like, yeah, oh, it's true. No. I went to one of Jessica's events and I was like, um, I had to text her and be like, I don't want to be friends anymore. And she's like, it meant the world to me that you came. And I'm like, I don't want to be friends anymore. <clears throat> I don't actually don't want to see anyone I saw there ever again. Yes. I'm horrified and I took all my clothes I own and threw them into a fire in my backyard. <laughs> so it's Saturday, Red Light Cafe. It's at 3 p.m. You can bring your your kids. You, what you can do is just shove earplugs in your children's ears mm -hmm. and let them eat like Red Light Cafe treats. Yeah, they have food there. Yeah. Just let your kids eat and run around and bug and, and with earplugs in while we cuss. Mm -hmm. It's a daytime event for the fam. Yeah, it's easy. It's sit down. Keep it's just the podcast. I'm like, if you're worried about anything, keep your sunglasses on and your mask and you're basically covering your entire face. And if you don't think yeah. if I have to do that that day, Heath Ledger, you know, death day style, I will when he wore the ski mask. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm doing what, what I have to do. Mm. Saturday, November 20th, you can get your tickets on our website, julianbrandy.com, or you can go to the link to the tickets is in the description to this podcast. Right. So, you know what? If you're in the area, buy the tickets in Flake. Well, actually, we're not even in this for the ticket sales, quite frankly. I no, mean, not, not that's, that's not what we're we and we never do. No, we're just like we're throwing it out there. We're doing it because because of Julie's therapist, quite frankly, it's, be, it, it, um, it's because of better help that we're fucking doing this shit. Uh huh. Yep. So Aloth Electric Olive, mm -hmm. we read his wonderful note last week. He sent his picture a picture of him and his boyfriend. Mm. So we will recognize exactly who they are because they are coming to the live oh, show this weekend in great. Atlanta, which we really appreciate. We got a short but sweet picture postcard from Beth Brooker. Memion. Okay. Nice alliterative name for a nice, good looking lesbian who appears to be gainfully employed. That could be her home office, but she is making it look important. I want her to be like a teacher or she works at HRC or something such as. I know, because, yeah, there's a rainbow flag behind her. She's in a bow tie. Yeah, she looks you great. Know. Hey, guys. Uh, love listening to your podcast and the Patreon. First fell in love with you on People's Couch. Put me on the Drug Den Bulletin board. She, yes. She abbreviated it, Mama Mount, DDBB. Yeah. I was kind of into. No one has ever abbreviated the Drug Den Bulletin board. Maybe she's a teacher and she felt uncomfortable writing Drug Den. Maybe. I mean, I do get the... I do feel like maybe she works at a... You know what? I can't tell. I can't tell either. Is it like a college guidance center? I analyzed the picture to the point where I, I worked myself back around to her home office. <laughs> but I was just the like, whole vibe of it. I was like, huh, she's like a... Yeah, I got the feeling she works She's a, She works at a school. Yeah. I don't know why. I, you I, know? I felt like that too. Meanwhile, like, she's going to write us... I don't know. Oh, no. I was about to go on a date. <laughs> I, was actually at, I was actually at a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. Beth, very, very cute. Thank you so much. Keep listening. She, Beth used touch note as her 
She ha, that's a first. She that's a first. She was not going to fuck with post. And you know what? Her shit was glossy. And there's a whole story about these postcards, <laughs> Beth, with yours being on top. And since you said you listen to the Patreon, I'm going to let you know. I'm not going to tell the story here. We're going to tease it for our Patreon podcast. <laughs> you can go to our website again, juliebrandy.com. There's a link to the free Patreon podcast. I had these postcards on my dash. There were three of them. A Loft Olive, Beth's, and this next one. And an extraordinary thing happened in my car. And I will say that Beth's was on top. And you know, Mamma. It's you, amazing. You were there. It's amazing. You witnessed it. Yep. So if you want to know the story, you got to hit the next Patreon, um, which is going to, we're going to, it comes out this week to hear that. So uh, last but not least, we got a picture postcard for the Drug Den Bulletin Board, otherwise known as DDBB. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank you. And by the way, Beth Brooker, BB. Yeah, BB. And that's like you, BB. And that's what Ren calls me, right, Mamma? Yep, BB. My goddaughter. Auntie BB, Auntie BB, 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 And they named shorts because they have at renamber.com. I said, excuse me, I need some clothes named after me. And they named them the BB shorts and the BB bloomers. I was like, nice. Susan Stone, don't mind if you do, Susan. Another, I love, I think that, and it's just a proven fact, that when your name is alliterative, that it's just, you, it's, you're more, you're a more impactful person. Hmm, interesting. That's interesting. In the picture with Susan Stone are four dogs. And her daughter. And her daughter. And you know who could have really, what we really needed too, which we might add ourselves? Sharon Stone. Oh, Sharon Stone. (laughs) Good one. Dear Julie and Brandy, here's a pic of me and my kid Emily for the Drug Den Bulletin Board. Also included my mongrels, Stella, Trixie, Boomer, and Lola from top left clockwise. Yeah. I know they sound like strippers, but Emily reminds me that Lola, she was a showgirl with yellow feathers in her hair and dre- her dress cut down she to there. She was a showgirl. <laughs> yeah. That's the one, right? That's the yeah. one. But I digress. I wanted to send gifts. I was going to send wine and candy, but now y'all are on a cleanse again. So maybe I'll just see y'all in Atlanta for drinks then. I can't wait to meet y'all. My best friends I haven't met yet. Love you both. Your new best friend, Susan Stone. Mm-hmm. Susan? <laughs> our cleanse will be over in Atlanta and we expect to see you. If Emily doesn't want to come, we completely understand you can come alone or you can bring someone else, but we expect to see you for drinks in Atlanta. And I do want to say, while the other three of your dogs do sound like hooker strippers, <laughs> Boomer sounds like our drug dealer. <laughs> We now interrupt our regularly scheduled JoJo and Kiki because it has just come to our attention that Trump Republicans are low-key terrorists. So, we must ask ourselves, what is the dictionary definition of terrorism? The systematic use of terror, especially as a means of coercion. Because we are so fucking busy, we were originally going to do this segment as douchecapades, but Republicans have become so unbelievably historically awful and verbally violent that calling their actions douchecapades really doesn't cover it. Usually when we do douchecapades, we're talking about losers who die standing in line at Mount Everest or Devin Nunez suing Twitter because someone impersonating his cow. Yes, the shit that Republicans have been doing is so heinous 
that it could not wait until <laughs> after Saturday when I'm done overdosing on Xanax to prepare for our live show. We needed to immediately create a whole new segment <laughs> dedicated just to the topic of Republican terrorism mm. because it's clearly not going away. Mm. We are either, meow meow, going to have a full-on civil war. That's option one. Okay. Or... Someone big is going to get assassinated, which will cause a huge overhaul of the useless and rotted <laughs> FBI. Uh -huh. And then, because of that, the violent verbal harassment coming from the MAGA assholes and all of the shit-stirring rhetoric coming from the Trump Republicans will finally stop. Exactly. The FBI will have no choice but to start doing their job if someone important dies. That's the reason the January 6th shit is going nowhere. Because no one in government actually got attacked or murdered. That's really why. Yeah. No, cl clearly. So now the corrupt FBI gets to just sit there and keep their jobs. As if they didn't literally allow that attack on the Capitol. And they're turning a blind eye every single day to the hundreds of verbally recorded threats of violence coming from Republicans to elected officials all over the country. We told you guys a couple of weeks ago about Republicans threatening school board members. School board! Like, come on! MAGA trash bags are literally calling up PTA members and leaving voicemails about how they're going to rape their daughters and kill their husbands. Yeah, and you know what that is? Fucking terrorism. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but it is. Mm -hmm. For those of you who fast-forwarded the intro song to this segment... Here is the Webster's Dictionary definition of a terrorist. Someone who advocates or employs the systematic use of terror, especially as a means of coercion. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. So leaving a voicemail for a school board member telling them you're going to rape their daughter and kill their husband if they don't resign is literally the goddamn definition of terrorism. And the people that are doing this are not off in some cave hoarding <laughs> machine guns and drawing plans on a rock. They live next door to you, like my neighbor fucking Gary. They're <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, and they're not just doing it to school boards, unfortunately. This week, everyone's neighborhood MAGA terrorists widen their nasty net because they're just furious that Democrats passed a bill to repair roads and bridges in America. We don't want these goddamn libs coming in and taking over and putting up broke bridges. This country's going to hell. We literally watched the Washington Journal the other morning and Republican person after Republican person called in and said, Joe Biden doesn't love this country. He doesn't love this country. It's going to hell. We're paying more for everything. And it's because they don't love anyone or Americans. They're not patriots and they're ruining it. We're, our, our, the country's going to hell. It's going to hell. It's going to hell. Important life hack. We only watch the Washington Journal on Saturday mornings with Jesse. <laughs> it's the only day to watch it. It's like at 6 a.m. or really 5 a.m. on C-SPAN. But this time, meow meow, mm -hmm. they are also, in addition to the Democrats, they're attacking the Republicans. Mm -hmm. Republicans who voted for the bill. There were only 13 Republicans in the House of Representatives who voted yes on the infrastructure bill. We talked about it on last week's show. Mm -hmm. And right after the vote, Marjorie Taylor Greene, oh the cracked out QAnon congresswoman from Georgia, she tweeted out the names and office phone numbers of all 13 House Republicans who voted yes on the bill, saying, quote, 
These are the 13 Republicans who handed over their voting cards to Nancy Pelosi to pass Joe Biden's communist takeover of America via so-called infrastructure. Okay, well, first, I want to clarify that we don't think there's anything wrong with tweeting out office numbers of elected officials. We have a segment here on this podcast called Leaving People Voicemails, in which many well-known people, including I, myself, called up certain members of Congress and the Trump administration and left them rude messages about how they are shitty at their jobs or perhaps just shitty people in general. I'm perfectly fine with that. Insults are insults are insults. Like, I'm not going to cry terrorism because someone called Adam Kinzinger and told him to rot in hell. That's not a death threat. Right. And also, calling the offices of our local representatives in Congress is like an actual thing we are supposed to do. (laughs) Right. But the problem is that these pandemically radicalized Republicans have gone off the fucking deep end. I hate to say literally, but uh, like a lot of these people have honestly, they're outside of their goddamn minds. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They're following school board members home and carrying out at Costco. So when you imagine these people leaving a message for someone in the government that they're angry at, the shit is terrifying at best and Mm -hmm. illegal at worst. Yeah, exactly. And like uh, the fact that these Republicans, including Marjorie Taylor fucking Greene, thinks that the infrastructure bill is communism. I, I can't even it's it's um, it, it makes you know, it makes me feel narcoleptic at this point. I honestly feel narcoleptic oh. like I hear that and I want to rage out and then I'm just like, I'm just going to go to sleep. Well, that's what happens I can't, to me with these I trials, can't. with the Rittenhouse trial. I have to oh. I will. I I have to. There is it is to me. This is a. A stupid analogy, but it, it's where do all the diapers go? Like I, when I see that trial, I start to have an, an honest to God panic attack where I'm like, this isn't right. This isn't fair. I'm going to commit suicide. Like yeah. I can't live in this world. Yeah. The fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene is tweeting out the 13 members of the Republicans who voted for the infrastructure bill, which is going to help people re- literally help every American in this country. And no one is leaving a message for the judge of the Rittenhouse trial who is clearly if he's not in QAnon he's definitely in the KKK write me a letter try and sue me the man is a full racist and Marjorie Taylor Greene is literally QAnon and we're not being facetious the people who follow her on social media are unhinged cult members who believe in far-fetched far-right conspiracy theories those are the people she's tweeting for and those are the people who call the numbers that she tweeted out One of the Republicans who voted yes in the House is this guy, Fred Upton, okay? He's a moderate Republican from Michigan who's on his 18th term. Mm. Fun fact, Michigan is home to the city with the most contaminated drinking water in the entire country. Mm -hmm. The water that comes out of their taps is literally poison (laughs) because the pipes are rotting and need to be replaced. Fred Upton is a congressman from Michigan, who voted yes on a bill that directly addresses America's water crisis, and Republicans called him and wished him dead. F***ing traitor. That's what you are. You're a f***ing piece of traitor. I hope you die. I hope everybody in your f***ing family dies. I'm going to play it again. I'm going to play it again. This is a voicemail. They left because he voted yes 
on a bill to fix the fucking water. Fucking traitor. That's what you are. You're a fucking piece of traitor. I hope you die. I hope everybody in your fucking family dies. Now, that's not technically a threat. No, we, we've heard the actual messages of I'm going right, to rape right, right, everyone in right. your family and kill every man in your family, and et cetera, et cetera. But can I just say really quick as a side as a as a sidebar? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's what that's what the lawyers say. Right, yes. Max? That's right. It's a sidebar. Mm-hmm. There were 13 Republicans in the House of Representatives that voted for the bill, but there were 19 senators, too. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, don't care, simply don't remember. Each state has two senators. That's it. There's only 100 members of the Senate total. There are over 400 people in the House of Representatives because each state is divided up and gerrymandered into districts and representatives are the people we elect to represent our districts in Washington. So they go there from whatever district you live in, like ours is Adam Schiff. They go there and they and then they try to hopefully they do our best interests. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we don't actually we have shitty water here too. Not we're not like Flint, Michigan, but right. we do. Yeah. Maybe he's like, well, we have drought or we're having fires and we need this in my constituency in my little district, which is the fucking best in the whole country, biatch, <laughs> Burbank, whatever. That's what we do. We elect these motherfuckers. Now, by definition. That makes senators, we only have two. Mm-hmm. They are Diane Feinstein mm-hmm. and it was Kamala Harris. She became vice president and she was replaced by... Alex Padilla. We have hundreds of, of representatives like in California that are in the House of... Re- like we literally... And by the way, not... not not to humble brag, but all the stars, honey. We have Ted <laughs> Lou, we have Eric Swalwell, we have Nancy Pelosi's fucking from California. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, we Adam Schiff. We've mm-hmm. got. We even have the dicks. We have Devin Nunes. We even right. have the douchebags. We've got them all. But the thing is, they're just not. They're just not that powerful, honestly. They, it, in, it, comparatively, I gotta say, they're a lot like school board members. Right. By just if you just go by the numbers, senators are four times, one senator is four times more powerful than a single House member. And, and let me say, besides Nance Pelosi, who, of course, could own them all into oblivion. <laughs> but I say this all to make the point that they're not that powerful people in the House of Representatives. Right. Mm-hmm. right. I mean, we have 14 listeners and we've had three House people on the show, if that tells you anything. Yeah. So, and zero senators. Right. Zero. And that's exactly what I mean. Mm -hmm. All of the House members, even people like AOC and Eric Swalwell and this dude, Fred Upton, they really are just small potatoes. And that makes them so much more vulnerable to losing their job and possibly their loved ones through organized threats of violence. Right. Which is what makes it actual terrorism rather than just violent opposition or dissent. They are threatening violence to members of their own party for voting yes on a bill to fix potholes. And per the definition that you read, they're threatening these Republican congresspeople to coerce them to either give up their seat or fall in line with the radicalized right agenda. I mean, after the press came after her for tweeting the phone numbers to her QAnon mafia, Marjorie Taylor Greene said, the calls will continue and the primaries will continue. Republicans in the House and Senate need to learn a lesson. The Republicans that 
in the House and Senate need to learn a lesson from this dumb bitch who does, like, CrossFit in Georgia <laughs> who just got elected, like, fucking la la this year, last year. So this is her first term. She's such a fucking dumb bitch. So how are they teaching them a lessons with the primaries? I don't even know what that means. Yeah, well, the Republican Party is running candidates in districts where a Republican already holds the seat, like Liz Cheney. The National Republican Party is going to fund a campaign for a different Republican to run against the Republican incumbent, Liz Cheney, because she voted to impeach Donald Trump after January 6th. The irony is that Liz Cheney voted no on the infrastructure bill, but it doesn't even matter. They still hate her for going against Donald Trump. Ultimately, the one thing that unites the party is doing exactly what Trump wants. And if you don't do it, they terrorize you. Yeah. So that's what primary means. And she's saying the calls will continue and the primaries will continue until they learn a lesson. Mm. So basically, if you vote the wrong way, the Republican Party is going to I hate that it's called primary. It's like it just it's confusing. Yeah. The Republican Party is going to pick a different Republican mm -hmm. to replace you. Right. And then they get all the money and you have to fund your own campaign. Right. Like, for example, Donald Trump funded his own campaign right. when he ran. Mm -hmm. It worked. Yep. But speaking of that piece of shit, here's a clip of Donald Trump from last Monday. He's literally at an event that's being held to raise money to unseat and replace current House Republicans that don't vote the way he wants or support him. Mm -hmm. I say it with a heavy heart. No, thank you. Goes to those in the House and Senate who voted for the Democrats non-infrastructure bill. Also known as the Democrat presidential reelection bill. It's only 11 percent was infrastructure, by the way, 11 percent of that bill. Much of it's Green New Deal crap, just like throwing money out the window. But you gave uh, Biden a victory as his poll numbers were falling off a cliff. The fact that he keeps saying, and, and he's not the only one, it's a talking point of these fucking douchebags saying it's 11% infrastructure. It's a blatant fucking lie. It's full infrastructure. That is why it was even, it, why the fact that it was even able to be pushed forward. And be called it, bipartisan. Right. It's because it's all infrastructure. It's literally all infrastructure. And oh, the Green New Deal, he wants to pretend like it's that. It's like, no, there is no climate. That's Joe Manchin got that fucking pushed out. Yeah. And we had to, and everyone had to suck his cold dick. I mean, it's just like, not only does that send a message to all the Republicans currently in Congress, it's a ready-made social media stink bomb sent out to all the members of the Al-QAnon Qaeda who then get all worked up and pissed from smelling Trump's mouth farts. That is so gross. It's gross, but it's true. Yep. They are social media stink bombs. Mm -hmm. And here's Matt Gates talking his Trumpian Republican garbage on Fox News, a.k.a. the <laughs> treacherous trash times can feel your blood pressure rising, Grant, and I'm right there with you. We had the Democrats on the ropes. We had the ability to make Joe Biden a lame duck president to stop his agenda. The question for Leader McCarthy and the rest of our conference really is whether or not we will allow people to be designated as Republican leaders on major committees and subcommittees while they fight for the Joe Biden agenda. They don't want to do anything that makes any progress it's it's it the entire party is all about getting their people elected making the other side look bad 
it's a completely broken system and i know it's all been said before and they're really there there's not a way to troubleshoot it the only thing you can do and that's why every respect should be given to joe biden i don't care if he farts in someone's face i don't care if he fucking falls asleep at every event i don't care if he stutters and slurs i don't fucking care if he i, I love when he yells at caitlin collins mm -hmm. i don't care we need a maverick talk about a maverick john mccain can go fucking suck a bag of dicks he can go into his fucking coffin and suck a bag of dicks. Joe Biden's the biggest maverick I've seen hit the scene in a long time. The only thing that can be done is people coming in and pushing forward help like the fucking Affordable Health Care Act, Obama, that actually helps people. And that's it. And you do it while you're there. You make the difference to help people while you're there. And you know you're probably going to lose the house. And you know you're eventually you're going to lose the president the next time. And that's what's going to happen. And even people like Bill Maher, whoever the fuck, they're mad. Like, well, we're going to lose the house now. That's what happened after fucking Roosevelt. And it's like, okay, so then I guess we should never do anything. So we can sit on the house and never pass anything. Like, I'm sorry, but this isn't just fucking about, oh, like, who has the majority? I mean, like, do something fucking do something and these people their investment in keeping the status quo for their for their party or whatever and it's all as we've said before they want to keep power they'll do anything to keep power they don't want to make progress they only want to make power progress that's it that's all they want and marjorie taylor green is out there acting like she's some patriot but here's a newsflash for you marge you're not you're a terrorist Okay, now we get to talk to a very important person and spend the next half hour chasing clout. This is the part of the show where Brandy and I become hardcore clout chasers by associating ourselves with an extremely successful and important individual in an attempt to make ourselves look more admirable and accomplished to our 14 listeners. And if at any point there's a good opening, we'll probably hit said guest up for a job and slash or other connections that could benefit us in the future, like a buddy pass to a White House press briefing or happy hour with Jen Psaki. Yes, and we are coming for all of the White House press clout with our guest today because not only is he an actual White House press correspondent, he's one of the best looking reporters <laughs> out there. And yes, we care about that here. Mm -hmm. We talk about politics like we're talking about reality TV. So yeah, we tell you who's good looking and this guy is hot. And not only is he hot, he's gay <laughs> and he's fashiony and he's smart and he's empathetic and best of all, He's not a shit-stirring thirst queen. He's starring in the White House press briefings, he's writing for Politico, and he's appearing on all of our favorite shows on MSNBC, and he's slaying it all with painted nails and a turtleneck. So without further ado, it's time for us to get our clout chase on with the reporter who's changing the game in 2021, Eugene motherfucking Daniels. Hi, Eugene. <laughs> Hello, that was best intro I've ever had in my entire life. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. True. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, we're we, thrilled. Yeah, we love you. We're obsessed. Our 14 listeners know. Yeah, <laughs> that's they true. Do. They do. Okay, so Eugene, real quick. We've yes. talked about you on the podcast quite a bit. We're not like weird. Right? Heard, we're, not, we're not weird. I heard someone like someone sent it to me. 
Oh, good. And they were like, I'm here because of the podcast. And they live your nails. And I was like, what? I'm scared to look. <laughs> oh, my God. Good. That is great. Our 14 listeners, they are supportive. Uh, they, they completely are. And since we've talked about you before, because we hate most of the reporters in the White House press briefings, okay? And this goes back to even when Trump was there. But we love you. So we're going to talk Thank a lot you. of shit about media bias and the toxicity of this outrage machine. But first, let's talk about your Luke. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this past summer, some bitch tweeted at you and she said, while I follow and often agree with Eugene Daniels, I'm distracted by his nail polish. Not offended, but distracted. So then you tweeted, to those who have an issue with my hair or my nails or my turtlenecks or my voice or my blackness or my gayness, go ahead and save your breath, DMs, tweets, and emails because we do not care. We don't. I know. It's just, I, always, I always feel like I'm getting into trouble when I tweet something like that. But, like, you know, the, most of the information that I get, the people that talk to me, they're all very kind and nice. And um, usually it's like somebody with a gay kid or like a, a young black reporter or, or a black mom. Black moms are my jam. That, that is my mm. demographic, it seems, <laughs> middle-aged black women. Um, but every once in a while you get a lot of people who have issues with my nails or my hair is too bushy and distracting for them. Why do I wear, always wear turtlenecks? It's because I'm lazy and I hate ties. That's why. <laughs> um, and it was like one of those days where it had happened over and over and over again. And I was kind of done with it. And so I wrote that. I meant it. Sometimes I send it to people when they, you know, they're like, I hate you. I'm like, oh, just so you know, we already covered this. Yes. <laughs> on, on this Twitter feed, we have covered this. I find it um, kind of surprising. Ugh, Often, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. Look at my nose. Are they distracting? I talk about with my hands. I, I hear that my hands are distracting. That one makes sense, but the nails, I'm like, you guys are just being a little homophobic. So how did you, Agreed. like, how did the look come about? Was it, was it calculated? <laughs> did you? No, I wish it was. <laughs> I wish I was that smart to have calculated it. Um, it was all an accident. So the hair was the first accident um, where I it was COVID and, you know, I don't know how to cut my hair. I don't, I didn't have the clippers to do it. So um, and like most of us, I thought it would be over shortly. I did not think we'd be here, you know, whatever, 18 months later. So I was like, you know, I'll go a couple of months without a haircut. It'll be fine. It won't be the end of the world. Obviously it continued. It was kind of the end of the world. And so, um, but it grew out in kind of a lustrous <laughs> situation. I was really surprised. Yeah, I was, was going to say, why did you have it so, and I mean, listen, I love a sexy like prison cut. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but why do it when your hair is so thick? I had no idea that it did that. Um, <laughs> I had no idea that it did that. It grew like it grew as big and kind of thick with two C's. Um, <laughs> but there had always been this. Um, this gets a little serious, but you know, growing up as a black kid, you are sometimes told to be taken seriously, like shorter hair. You don't want you know your hair can't be too look too unruly, quote unquote, or people might think you're scary, you're dangerous, or a criminal, or whatever. And so that was part of me always cutting it. And then when I literally had no choice, it was like, well, okay, so if I'm not professional, quote unquote, for two months, and that's what it is. And I kind of fell in love with it. You know what I mean? Like I fell mm -hmm. in love with my own hair in a, in a kind of a way that I didn't expect. And my dad, who is bald currently, is, has, is very jealous. Yeah. Because in the 70s, <laughs> yeah. when he was growing his afro, he was like two inches, he said. So <laughs> I have 
I have practical events here for them. Um, the nails were another kind of just thing. I was with some friends getting a manicure and a pedicure. Um, we hadn't seen each other for a long time in the pandemic. And the lady was like, do you want to get anything on your nails? I was like, sure. And I picked this kind of light pink color. Um, and because I was like, I'm going to the White House next week. I don't want to get too crazy. Um, and then I just started liking it. And then I started getting a little bit more bold. And I think pride was soon after that. Um, and so I did like, yep, yep, exactly. It's <laughs> great. Um, and so I did like this kind of rainbow situation. And when you go that rainbow on your nails, it's like, whoa, I can do anything <laughs> with my nails. Yeah. Um, and the turtleneck was another accident. We had a um, <laughs> photo shoot, um, a very fancy photo shoot um, for a Vanity Fair article about Playbook, the new Playbook co-authors. And they kind of, they basically told us to look cool. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> I haven't gotten dressed in forever because again, <laughs> like during the pandemic. And I just went to the store and I was like, you know what, a turtleneck. A turtleneck would be like, it's kind of a little casual, but I didn't want to do like a deep B weird thing with my chest hair hanging out. So I was like, <laughs> I want to do the exact opposite. Um, I'd love and- to see your chest hair. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And it kind of all just happened like that. And then now it's easy. It's like almost a uniform, like Steve Jobs, but a little less boring. Yeah, yeah but that's the thing it's about working. it. It's so genius. Because yeah. every time Thank you're on, you. like, you just the silhouette. We're like, there's Eugene. You just, it's great. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. And don't let me get started on, like, also your lighting. I can't believe we're seeing the lighting here. And it's not a morning joke. It's like, there's the kitchen. I'm always like, what's on his fridge? Does he have magnets on there? <laughs> We do. We have way too many magnets. Sometimes people are mad about the magnets. People get mad about anything. And they're like, you have too much stuff on your fridge. I'm like, sorry. How I can guess. they see it? Yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. <laughs> it used to, we used to have, not everyone's looking, we used to have like the light on. Um, but then mm. one time someone saw a McDonald's bag in the back. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep that light off. Keep, keep my dirty secrets to, our, to myself. We first saw, saw it on Morning Joe and it was like, I just thought, oh, that's nice that he has the light off because it's so early. Yeah. You know, that yeah. show's so disgustingly early. It's like, God, you turn all the lights on. What was the reaction? Like how quickly when you wore the pink to the White House? Because that was in the briefing. How quickly did you get a reaction, A, on social media, and then even in the room? Uh, everyone was really <laughs> nice about it in person. Um, all mm-hmm. of the reporters who have always like been really kind anyway. You know, this is my first time on the beat, and so they're all very helpful. Um, and everyone was like, oh, my God, I love your nails. But there was no... There was no weirdness about it, right? Which was really pleasant. And online, it was kind of the same thing. People started seeing it on um, MSNBC, and people were like, is that man wearing nail polish? <laughs> Is that a man wearing nail polish? And I feel like people were shocked at first, but now people seem like, well, what's he gonna do next? The, you know, the, the very sweet people who follow me. So, you know, I really did not think anything of it. I've had people ask me like, like, do you do it as a, like a statement? It's like, well, no, I do it because I like putting things on my nails and that's kind of it. You know, I, I did it, I liked it. and. Like it is, I, I as uh, Paula Dean once said, I is who I is. Yeah. That is. Well, you listen as a as a spokesperson for the nail polish community. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, I mean, it's just like yeah, like how many? It's like yeah, I like wearing nail polish. What do you want me to? You know, it is literally just um, because I like doing it. All right, this this podcast that you're on right now is called <laughs> Dumb Gay Politics. So we yeah. cannot talk to you without finding out how you got into reporting on politics and how you got into being gay. <laughs> yes. 
Um, the gay was earlier than the politic. Always, I was one of those people who like always knew they were gay, but didn't pretended not to be gay mm-hmm. um, for mm-hmm. a very long time. Very, very long time. Twenty-seven years old to be <gasps> exact. Wow. And I'm thirty-two now. Um, <gasps> oh my God! You have the, you you're, really you're just, still new. Yeah, but you came roaring yeah, like, out of the closet, honey. Just, <laughs> <laughs> my fiance likes to say. I came, I busted out the closet fully formed. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> which was kind of true. Um, yeah, so I was very, I played football in college. I played football my entire life. And, you know, my fa- family's from the South. Yeah, where, black, are, you, where are you from? Are, so my parents are from South Carolina, but we were military. So we bounced around all over the place. So wow. I am from nowhere, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the military and the football and the the church going and all of that, it just... I just knew it was not okay, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and the older I got, the more I was like, you know what? This is getting silly. Like this is, I'm, you know what I mean? I just, I was, I was dating women, and the weird, the thing I struggled with when I came out was like, you know, I felt love for them. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I was, and so I was like, maybe I am straight. Like I think I like them, but it's like, how you like your friend? And they were very sweet. It was like, it's like two girlfriends hanging out. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Which is how I look back at it now. And I think, you know, I I was 27, Pulse happened, um, and I had this um, nightmare scenario in my head where I was like, what happens if I die and no one knows who I am? Like, that is like, that was like so scary to me. And I was actually moving to DC, leaving Missouri from a different job. And one of my friends was, he's a bisexual guy and I told him like a month before I left, hey, I have something, let's talk. And we couldn't catch each other. And then finally the last day before I left, he was like, didn't you want to talk? And I was like, shit, uh, yes, I did. And so we sat outside and- um, Had you ever like said it out, out loud before? Never to anyone. He was the very first person. His name is Micah Sargent. He's a sweetheart. Um, <laughs> I never said it out loud. <laughs> I know it was, I felt like I was going to throw up. Like that, like, for me, that was the whole thing. Cause like, in every time I did it, it felt I wanted to throw up less, which was nice. Um, <laughs> and so I told him, I think I blurted out something like, "I'm not straight," which mm. <laughs> was like kind of vague. And um, at the time, I thought bisexual sounded better. I was one of those people that was like, "I'll go with bisexual," mm-hmm. which is you know, which I also when I me and my partner started dating um, in 2017. I also told him that, and he was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I, you know what? I want to say, I, I do think it's nice, of course, and Julian, and, you know, is of the ilk of like, uh-huh, bisexual. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I do want to say, at least it was nice to the girls you had dated. Yeah. For that, for right. that well, point. That it's like, Jesus. It, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the only reason <laughs> I say that is because I said that, too, when I came right. out. And I'm like, and now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the thing is, like, okay. obviously... Obviously, you know, as you know, sexuality is a spectrum, and yes, like I truly one hundred percent believe in yes. bisexuality. But for me, it was about like giving myself a little bit of a bridge. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I got to DC, which I think is the um, there was an article I'd read, and it's like the gayest city per capita um, in the United States. Wow. And I was like, hell yeah, this feels like a place <laughs> where I can like do this thing. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of slowly started um, coming out. Um, I came out to my parents that January 2017. They live in Dubai, so we were all home. Um, and how did that go? Out to them, and it went 
so well. It was actually kind of disappointing by the lack of drama. <laughs> <laughs> we always joke that like literally I came out, it was, there was lots of crying. I cried, my mom cried, mm. my dad was crying, my siblings were crying. So it was mm. just like a lot of tears of like, why didn't you feel safe to tell us? You know what I mean? And it was like really, really sweet. And then we went to go get brunch afterwards. So it was like the gayest coming out that could possibly <laughs> yeah. happen, right? Um, and they were really, really lovely about it. And it's been lovely. Like my, every family member has been great. My friends have all been amazing. I'm really, really lucky. And, you know, I, I, to, I told them, I was like, I wish someone would have been pissed off because like then I wouldn't feel like I wasted 27 yeah. years mm-hmm. of like, you know, can someone throw something at mm-hmm. least? Kick me out? Um, well, can I ask, I mean, with all due, yeah. did one person not say, yeah, no, I knew? No, you no, do everybody seems... said they oh, knew. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no. I was and like, how butch like, were you? I was never, <laughs> I wasn't. Okay. So the funny thing is, people who knew me before, they, they don't feel like they have to reintroduce themselves oh. to, uh, like, this new Eugene, because I was kind of the same, um, in a way that they were like, oh, yeah, about time. I'm like, well, you guys could have also told me to just, like, I wasn't fooling anyone. That would have been very helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, but I was definitely, yeah. I remember um, one of my um, high school friends, after I'd come out, he was like, I always knew when you were bumping Danny Kane in the football parking lot <laughs> after practice, <laughs> that something, <laughs> that there might be something. Oh my God. <laughs> I, like, I yeah. love Danity Kane. <laughs> so oh, good. Weak. I'm so sad. I was so sad about them. Rest in peace. I know, honestly. And Aubrey O'Day, why? Why did you have to fall so far off? Oh. Okay. So then tell us about politics. Politics. Um, so my family, um, my dad's side of family especially, has like this deep roots in, in working in politics. So um, my Grandpa, both my grandparents um, during the civil rights movement in South Carolina were huge supporters and or people needed to come to them to get their support. So they met Jimmy Carter, for example. Mm. Um, and he was like, if you, um, one of the, the governor at the time was, if you want the vote of the black people here, you know, you need to meet these two folks. Um, and so it was always a part of our conversation politics. And I actually wanted to be a lawyer growing up because I like to argue um, a lot, <laughs> and I'm always right, no matter who I'm talking to. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of, I was in college and I was pre-law and I was ready to do that and be a political, um, actually be, go into politics. Um, I was going to want to be the first black president. This was in 2008. We know what happened. He stole my thunder. I see him behind you, I think, in a photo. Um, He's all over here in pictures with me. He's photoshopped in as like my husband all across here. It's it's tragic and probably inappropriate and problematic, but we're just doing what we're doing. And I was sitting in a class, I think it was called the Politics of of Special Interest Groups. and yeah, exactly. And I was like, so wait, I have to do this to be in power? I have to like be all up in with the special interest groups and maybe not doing exactly what the people who put me in office want me to or need from me um, just so I can stay here. And mm-hmm. that didn't really sit well with me. So I, I left class and I had had one journalism class and Pam Jackson, who I love dearly. Um, I went to her and I was like, I don't know what I'm, what to do. Like, I really loved your class. And she said, you know what? What if you just became a journalist? You, you don't want to be the person in power, but maybe you can, you know, keep an eye on them. And that was kind of it. And it said, like, I got in, 
when when I'm in, I'm like all the way in. So I did everything you could possibly do at student media. Um, I changed my major. I was in. I had all these amazing teachers in one. Um, who said, and I'll never forget it, like being a reporter is telling the stories of those who can't do that for themselves. And so like that is constantly what's in my head, um, even to this day. And then in the the political reporting came um, after my first job, I was at in local TV. From there, I went into this place called Newsy, and there's a video news organization. I went to, I was in Colorado Springs, and I wanted to be on TV. Like, I, in my head, being on TV was like, you know, it sounded so cool. And I did so much of that um, in student media. <laughs> and so I was in Colorado Springs, and I was, I had done the MMJ, which is basically like a one-man band situation. I was a videographer, I was an assignment manager, I had been a producer. And I wanted, I, you know, wanted to be on air full-time. Because for me, it was like, you take the story from beginning to end, mm-hmm. right? Like, no one, there's no handoff. Um, <laughs> so I went to the general manager at the time and I said, you know, I'm ready for this. Like, you know, I've done the kind of tests and things. Like, when can we make me a full-time reporter? And he looked at me and said, your voice is just too black for Colorado Springs. <gasps> Gross. And so I was like, <laughs> 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 Like, what do I do with that piece of advice? Like, obviously, and it, you know, this is what, 2012, oh uh, 13. And so it's like a completely different world right now, right? Uh-huh. Where if someone said that, I would probably have felt empowered at 23 to be like, hell no, I'm going to get charged, <laughs> tweeted about it. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't say anything. And I'm a pretty aggressive person at times. So I, I was, I am shocked. And all my friends that were around at that time were also shocked that. One that he said that too, I didn't do anything. So I stayed there for a little bit longer than I left um, and went into the video journalism at, at Newsy where I really started covering politics because we didn't have anyone to do it um, on the, the shift that I was on. And so kind of just weaseled my way in and they moved me to DC in 2016, September, 2016. Oh, wow. so. You have really like skyrocketed. Um, you're quite young. Is this your first boyfriend though? Let's get back to that real quick. <laughs> my first, he was. Cause Pulse was in 2016. Pulse was in June, 2016. Yeah. And you yeah, came out yeah. January, 2017 to your family. And then you're so with se- him. Yeah, so se- exactly. So September, 2017 was when I kind of like really came out for the first time. Um, and then I drove here. Uh, and started coming out and started dating and all that good stuff. And, you know, I had, like, short-term me boyfriends, but I met Nate in the summer of 2017. Um, and I had been <laughs> dating for a while and seeing a little while and mm-hmm. meeting lots of women. Um, and we made, met in 2017, went on a date. Um, so he is my first, he was my first, like, long-term boyfriend turned fiance. Let's talk about the White House, because we can't keep yeah. you forever. Um, okay. Had you ever been spent time in the White House before you became a correspondent in the in the briefings? I think I had been one time during a fellowship. They like took us over, like at night, and one of the reporters talked to us. But that was kind of it. The, so the were you so nervous or what? Like, what was your feeling walking oh in there? God. I'd be shitting my pants. It'd be so. <laughs> oh my god. It's so exciting. And I think, and I still kind of shit my pants when I walk <laughs> over to the White House because, you know, this, if you're a political nerd like me, and really any American who, like, knows where all the power is, like, that's the place, right? That is that is where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, one, it's smaller than it looks, everybody. I'm very sorry to tell you there's not, there's not the West Wing walking through the hallways 
five people at a time. It's just not happening. It's a very small building. It's shockingly and small. Um, but it's still like all of that stature. So every time I go through, um, I'm always like, please don't shoot me Secret Service. And they're like, come on in. Like, you're allowed to be here. And I think that was my thing. I was like, I'm like, wait, so you guys are letting me in, right? Like, you realize it's me. And they were like, just come in something weird. Um, and I remember my hands were shaking the first time that I asked Jensaki a question. Now, had you, um, had you met Jensaki? Because at this point, I mean, she's just like, okay, Eugene. Or she's like, I apparently right. you guys are besties now. But right. had you met her before you asked your first question? No, I had obviously seen her. I knew who she was. I'm sure she had no clue who I was. Because the first time I went, we weren't doing like a full room. So I think there were maybe like 14 reporters there. Mm. So we all got like a lot of questions. Mm. Um, and at that point, I already had my Afro and stuff. So it was like, I already had, it was already like, okay, I, I know yeah. who, there's, a, there's something happening here. Um, and I asked my first question, I was so scared. And even still now, I get kind of nervous. Um, I don't know about other people, but I still get very nervous asking those questions. What was it? Do you remember it? Oh my God. My first question, actually, I think my first question was about, um, they, Congress had just passed or had just passed out of committee um, studying reparations. Mm -hmm. So like creating a commission to study reparations. Um, President Biden had said that he was for that, studying reparations, a commission. And so my question was, so is he supportive of this bill? Like, does he want to see it passed? Um, and Jen was, wouldn't touch it. And she would just say like, you know, the president said what he said, like, she, I'm like, I'm like, but it's the bill said is doing what he said it was gonna, he wanted. So can, I don't understand. Yeah, she's like, um, I, I'm not gonna legislate from the podium or I have no calls to read out, Eugene. I don't have a preview for you today, okay, Eugene. I don't have a preview right now. There's a range of things we'll talk okay. about later. <laughs> There are many ginisms yeah, yeah. that, like, like if especially you, you can even know when you're going with your question what she's like if she's gonna give you like a, a an answer or if she's gonna do one of her ginisms where she's like I'm not gonna negotiate from the podium yeah. I'm not gonna let you know like yeah. she because you know it, it makes sense we both have like our roles to play yeah um, in that right and sometimes you ask a question and then she's kind of you know she kind of dodges it and then like an hour later they like release a document that was exactly what you were asking about. And it's like, mm. well, you guys, so you already knew, but they have, <laughs> you know, they have their process and they, right. they, they have their stuff to work through. Um, and yeah, I still, I still get very nervous because it's, you know, I often feel the gravity of being gay, being black, um, going into that room and talking to some of the most powerful and influential people on the planet, right? Like when you mm. <laughs> think mm, about mm, it in mm. those kind of insane terms, um, there's a lot of pressure, but I also feel like this great sense of responsibility to take it seriously. Not myself. I don't take myself seriously. Take the job very seriously. Um, look for answers and think about, like, what, do, what does my grandmother want to know? What do the people that live in Bucksport, South Carolina, where she's from, what do they want to know about? What are the things that are driving them? What do they want to hear from the press secretary about how the president or the vice president or any of those secretaries are thinking? And then I go with that. Sometimes that's question that makes questions feel like they're out of the blue. <laughs> but, well, yeah. on, on that note, um, we feel like a lot of the reporters, we hate a lot of them. I mean, just full disclosure. <laughs> we feel like we because we honestly we feel like a lot of them are really antagonizing and they're trolling for headlines. 
do you feel we don't feel that with you and obviously we would be partial to you because you're hot and you have your nails and your turtlenecks but yeah, we can still okay. hate hot people believe, believe me <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. do you do you feel a pressure to to do these gotcha like questions or questions like come in with conflict from when you come from the briefing to go and then report on it on morning joe or something do you feel like you need to come in and have there's like a they're they're coming in with this agenda that seems like it's so hmm. like caitlin contra- collins we're looking at you <laughs> yeah like it also just Caitlin's like, very sweet <laughs> i hate very how sweet, she like- comes for joe biden she's constantly trying i mean how many times has he accidentally told her off and then had to apologize literally multiple times because she's got she's a oh, she's there's she's an antagonizing ag- yeah there's an agenda there that we feel that you don't have which is why we like you but that we do feel <laughs> that many people many of them do it's asking the same question million times it's asking it in a different way when you already know the answer you know it's not going to be a negative answer you're making it negative like why and it's because they're it's a, it's about their job rather than what is my grandma we right think. right what does my grandmother mm-hmm. in south carolina want to know it's more about them doing their job which i guess is getting these headlines and do you feel the pressure i mean i just don't i I think (laughs) you know what i mean i like for me it's like everyone approaches every job differently right and i i approach mine in a certain way and i can only like do it the way that i feel makes sense um and luckily i have editors who are like that is great do it do it exactly that way um and I think on on like people uh, on us asking questions that are are maybe trying to get her to give give a different answer. It's like it feels like. Um, have you guys watched The Good Wife? So like on The Good Wife. Yes. And, Hello. <laughs> yes. The Good Wife oh, and The Good Alicia Fight. Florek. Okay. So good. Ugh. So good. Yes. Um. So like Alicia Florek's up there and she's asking a question and then <laughs> and, and the judge just like doesn't allow her to ask that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's trying to figure out, okay, if I ask it this way, that, that um, you know, that we, we should ask differently, is that going to give us a different answer? <laughs> Often it doesn't. Jen is hip to these things, right? She is not someone. <laughs> right. she's been, she has been around the box. She knows how this works. Right. Um, but for me, I think the most important thing, and also I'm not in broadcast, so it's a little bit different, right? Like sometimes those questions I'm asking, I'm not even working on a story about. Sometimes they're questions that colleagues are working on something. Sometimes mm. there are questions um, swirling around that I've been talking to activists a lot lately, you know what I mean? And they wanna hear what the White House has to say. And so I use that opportunity, especially because Jen is often not going to make news at the podium, right? Yeah. Like, she doesn't do that. Um, so I use it to, to, to kind of give signal or to figure out if there's signals coming from the White House on different things. And, um, you know, last week. Can I ask you, how do you feel? Because it does. How do you feel about the administration? Do you like do you like them? Do you think they're doing a good job? Because the what the the temperature from a lot of those people is that they they don't think they're doing a good job. Like Caitlin Collins might be nice, but she goes on stupid fucking CNN or wherever she <laughs> goes on, and she talks about how she she's act like talking shit about Kamala Harris and about the border, and we don't like it. We don't want people talking shit I mean, about Kamala I, Harris. <laughs> I, I mean, do I like them? I think you know. One, our, my job isn't to like them. They are pleasant humans, right? Like they, like no one's yelled and cursed at me. So no, I mean, sure. do what do you think they're doing but a good job? I think that. So I think a couple of things. So I think, just, and that's it. Just a couple of things. <laughs> but, um, but you know, this is the White House that walked in with 
some of the biggest issues America's ever had to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. You have a pen, and, and they themselves called them out as like the four crises that they wanted to deal with. First, you have this in, insane pandemic where they were given, you know, the, we had a vaccine, they walked in, but there was kind of no, um, according to them, no plan really to like, what do we do with all of these vaccines? How do we get make sure that there's more? You have this recession caused by a pandemic where there's so many, especially women, who lost jobs and are leaving the workforce because of it. And then you have um, racial strife, right? Issues of of, um, equity and then climate change. One administration dealing with one of those things, like that's enough for four years. You know what I mean? One of those issues. They chose all of those and, and more and they've continued that. And so I think, like, do I think they're doing a good job? I think that one, it's not just on them, right? You have a Congress where um, there is such a slim majority. Republicans are giving no help whatsoever on any of those issues for a lot of different reasons. Um, and so I think if President Biden gets, and he likely is, this infrastructure bill that is, we coined the BIF, the bipartisan <laughs> infrastructure framework that turned into a bill um, that passed the Senate, when that passes the House, because it will, when they pass this kind of human infrastructure bill, right, like those are huge things that are going to change the lives of Americans. Those are the things that they're working on, right? Mm-hmm. And so those are, and other than that, it's like the AR, the ARP, which was the American Rescue Plan, which mostly dealt with COVID. And so that's kind of it. Presidents don't get a lot, as much time to do things as they used to. You know, they get kind of one bite of the apple. He's gotten a couple of bites of the apple. For different reasons, but then he has voting rights, he has police reform, there are all these other issues. And I think, you know, history will decide if, if, if he's a good president. But what I will say is he's ambitious. I think he's much more ambitious as a president and their administration is than we thought they were going to be based on the primary, right? Like he was like the old white moderate guy and like, you know, he's, he's giving it to him with the best of them when it comes to like all these issues um, on the left. Before we let you go, um, we want to know what's next for you. You've accomplished so much already. Obviously, oh. we've learned not just from coming out, then immediately getting engaged, <laughs> which is already so huge. Very annoying. <laughs> um, you're an author. You're at Politico. You're on MSNBC. And most importantly, you're in the White House with Jen yeah. Um <laughs> Are there more pinnacles you've got your eye on for the future? No, I actually just feel super lucky to, and I'm just going to kind of keep doing my job. Like my focus is the gig. And I think that for me is the only thing to do it. And I think the rest kind of like shakes out. You know what I mean? I'm trying to do the job as best as I can, stay undistracted, still learning a lot. So you're not, you're not going to try to take over for um, vagina mouth Chuck Todd. (laughs) We'll cut that out. For no one. I will, no, 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 I have my eyes on no one's job, but mine. I already have plenty of jobs. I'm good. Eugene Daniels, thank you so much for doing our dumb podcast. Please tell our 14 listeners where they can find you on the socials. Yes. Thank you guys so much. This was so much fun. Um, I'm at (laughs) Eugene Daniels, the number two everywhere. Oh, that's all. That's all I got. Because Eugene Daniels was taken and not by my father, by some um, other you some yeah. fakery i'm sorry are you who a junior among every other great thing about you you're a junior i'm a second Hot. Oh, i'm a second yeah. <laughs> legacy yeah. bitch yes <laughs> exactly. now it's time for so there's that
right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a so there's that moment that's happening because of or in spite of the diarrhea toilet Republicans, the low-key terrorist QAnon cunts, the calculated corporate climate killers, and the vindictive virtue-signaling liberal losers. We are all somewhere on that spectrum, fighting for our team to win the race of rights in America. And even though every week literally brings us closer and closer to a civil war in this country, it's Julie So There's That, which gives us all hope that maybe we won't have to go to war against our cousins and our weird neighbors. Maybe one important person will just get assassinated and the whole <laughs> fucking country will snap out of it. And we'll all band together and blame another country like we used to in the 80s. <laughs> Did you find anything like that, Mamma? Oh, well, well, the other day you were like, oh, my God, check out this mayor. She got too drunk and had to apologize publicly to her constituents. And I was like, what? And we were like, what? And then we looked at it. And we're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Well, upon having to research and write this week, so there's that. I was actually going to write about Britney Spears and how women's forced sterilization is an issue in this country and the sexism of it all. But you were like, <laughs> revisit the drunk mayor. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And I did. And you could not have been more motherfucking right. Because the shit is so... It's not even... She, okay, I got to tell you. I, I'm so excited. So for anyone who doesn't know about this, it's so fucking good. Dana Nessel who is in fact the Michigan attorney general okay. and not the mayor, <laughs> went to a tailgate party for the University of Michigan against Michigan State football game. I mean, let's just not gloss over the fact that Kamala Harris was the attorney general of California. So we're not just talking about like, you know what I mean? We're the attorney general <laughs> of the entire state. <laughs> and Michigan's a huge state. It's a really big deal. Okay. Now, she got too drunk and had to be escorted home. Apparently, on an empty stomach, she says... She made herself two, <laughs> come on, bitch, two Bloody Marys, got too drunk. Dana. Went to Dana, the game. She went to we the know game. The Bloody Marys are a little too filling. <laughs> yes. Dana, you know you either had a floater on it or oh, you had a couple yeah, shots I mean, in between. Come on. I think you probably had a martini. Yeah, come on. So she went to the game. So after in the tailgate, she got, she had her two, uh, two Bloody Marys. And while in the game, she felt herself, and we've all been there, just slowly dying. And uh, she had to have some people help her out of the stadium. You know so what? She maybe it was some rancid tomato juice. Maybe. Maybe. So she wouldn't vomit on her constituents. To her credit, also, she did tweet out a picture of herself too, too drunk at the game, like with her head in her hand and her baseball cap, like, down on her face. Yeah. Similar to the lean-in of the Amy Klobuchar where she needed to sell... You know, the comb forks. Oh, she should have sold. OK, those. I'm feeling I love the lean in of the lean in. vomiting on the constituents. Oh, it's, lean it's, in. It's a, it's a you were at my wedding, Denise. Yes. Marketing moment waiting oh. to happen. Now, she then said and this is all her own statement. She said she then had to get she got she got escorted out of the stadium, escorted to a car. The car drove her home. She got home. She then passed out on the couch. Now. Here's where I went. Let me dig in a little to Dana and see what's yeah. doing. If Dana made a booty call, I'm absolutely going to lose my mind. We all know she went home and passed out after vomiting and practically shitting her pants. There's no way she got home and just passed out on the couch. She got home and she fucking threw up and she almost shit her pants and she was in the bathroom and she wanted to die. 
But then she got on the the couch. Then you think, what are you going to say? She wouldn't eat all the chicken in the fridge? Or whatever (laughs) she did. And then she laid on the couch and that's where she spent the night. Now, she fucking wrote in her thing where she said what happened. She made a Facebook post, I think. The Facebook post where she said when she got home, her wife. Uh Uh-oh. Dana's (laughs) alert. It all all comes full circle. wife gave her Tylenol and a blanket and said, good luck to you. I, I I added that uh, her wife like fucking had to take care of her. So I'm like, I'm sorry. You're a fucking lesbian. Oh, so this lesbian attorney general Democrat superstar went out, got too drunk at the tailgate party, which sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. Why didn't you invite her wife and had to have her wife take care of her? The fact that she had to apologize is ridiculous. But of course, she did issue an apology where she said, sorry to all the people who have supported me for letting you down. I will try to do better. Well, and I want to say she said she almost vomited on her constituents. I think she was while she was apologizing. She was probably just I mean, I don't know if they demanded an apology, which everyone the apology cops love to do. So I'm not going to say they didn't like come for her. But I also think she herself, she, I think she let herself down, but I think saying, so I didn't vomit all over my constituents. is funny. Yeah. So I think she was yes. probably just bummed at her yes. own self. Agreed. Not, yeah. And she definitely has a sense of humor as I found, as I dug into the digging of the Dana. <laughs> and I want to tell her, bitch, you didn't let us down. You lifted us up. That's right. The only way you couldn't have done better is if you and your wife drunk scissored in public and got on the kiss cam for it at the game. They got married in 2018. Her wife is also a lawyer. They both work for gay rights. They have two kids. They're same, same. And they're fighting the good fucking fight all day, every day. Dana Nessel even got in a fight with Trump after he called her a do-nothing wacky attorney general in 2020 because she tried to stop him from touring one of the auto plants without wearing a mask at the height of the pandemic. And then went and took a pic without the mask and said he didn't want to give the press the pleasure of seeing him with it on. She went and issued a statement to the Ford plant, letting them know she's going to have to have a, quote, serious legal conversation with them for allowing the president to do that going against the CDC guidelines and the state's mask mandates. Trump then responded directly to that. And he said automobile companies were leaving the state until he came along and suggested that they might do it again if Dana Nessel punishes Ford. So then she responded to that by remarking that the state's auto industry has been thriving, thank you very much, on its own, and suggested that the president really has a problem with Michigan's three female leaders, which, of course, she then refers to when he called Governor Gretchen Whitmer as the woman in Michigan, during a coronavirus task force yeah, briefing in March. Yeah, and inspired his MAGA terrorists to try and fucking kidnap her. Exactly. There is so much more to this lesbo. She ran in 2018 against Republican Tom Leonard. She won by 2% of the vote. And since being in office, she's been a huge part of the Michigan expungement law. Michigan's new expungement law, known as the Clean Slate Law, took effect on April 11th, 2021. The law created a specific process to expunge certain offenses that are no longer crimes in the wake of the passage of Proposal 1 in November 2018 that legalized the possession and use of recreational marijuana for adults in Michigan. 
Qualifying misdemeanor marijuana convictions may be expunged by individuals who complete a required application process. Can you imagine getting rid of your record? That your whole record. Following you around. That's amazing. It's not. And it's not just marijuana. The new expungement law also expands the number of other misdemeanor and felony convictions a person may expunge. An individual convicted of up to three felonies except life offenses and other serious felonies and an unlimited number of certain misdemeanors can with some exceptions file an application with the convicting court to expunge all his or her convictions i watched uh several different videos where they showed them doing it like in a it like in a like Ceremony. a public fair and it was mainly women it was mainly people of color and it was just like I couldn't get a job and I'm a single That's mother so and 21 years and I couldn't do this. And now they're fucking expunged because of this fucking dyke. So Dana Nessel, our podcast is now your official home and we officially support you. Yeah. You she, we bumped Britney Spears for the story. <laughs> we're getting drunk at a football game. Like I was okay. like, bitch, revisit the fucking mayor. That's Turns right. Out she's an attorney general. She's a goddamn American hero. Yep. Slow clap for the overpour <laughs> on the bloody Mary bitch. Okay. I had no idea she even existed. And if anyone cares this dyke got drunk at a football game and you have the problem with it, you need to check yourself and do some digging because Dana Nessel is the shit and we're so lucky she's in office getting drunk on Bloody Marys and diking around Detroit. So there's that. So that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Politics. Thank you guys for listening to our stupid podcast. We really do love and appreciate all 14 of you so much. If you're new here and you like us, but you'd rather not hear about politics, please consider checking out our Patreon podcast. We do two Patreon podcasts a week, every week. They're both an hour long and we post them on Sunday. So you'll have all week to listen to them at your leisure. They're a dollar each, and when you sign up, you will immediately get access to our huge back catalog, which has hundreds of hours of stupid, stress-free, ad-free podcasts. If you're curious to see what it's like, you can listen to a free episode right now called Windows Up Sing Time. The link to the free episode is in the description of this podcast, or you can go to our website, julianbrandy.com, and there's a button on every page that says click to listen to our free Patreon episode. You can listen to the whole hour right there from your phone or your computer or your tablet. You don't have to download anything or sign up for anything. Just listen to the episode and see if you like it. It's super easy. And if you're in the Atlanta area, don't forget about our live podcast on November 20th. Our special guest is Dr. Jackie from Mary to Medicine. And there is a rumor that Bravo might be filming it for the show. So if you're a Bravo lurk, you're not going to want to miss it. And the link to that to buy tickets for our live show is also down below in the description of this uh this podcast mm -hmm. or it's also on our website julianbrandy.com and if you're a bravo lurk by the way who doesn't watch married to medicine <laughs> you should really kill yourself honestly because it is so fucking good oh my god it's amazing it is amazing uh, where oh uh, we've just been i don't think i could have gotten through the preparation for jeff's show and our show without <sighs> without married to medicine i know honestly. i'm gonna miss it i love it and as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And Eugene Daniels, Stop honey. Him. You better work, Eugene. <laughs> How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful handyman. He's 
just a little brought down because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Let me show you around and maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Want something visual that's not too abysmal. We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat wheel. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you? Stay for the night. Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. A sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. 